0: I wanted to start this morning with a, a, just a little bit of a game. Uh, I, I want you to, who am I kind of a, a, a game. What, I'm, what I mean by that is I'm going to give you a few statements, and, and I want you to try to figure out who, who, I'm, who, I, who I am, okay? Who am I, all right? Here we go. The first statement is this. If I, I, I'm the guy who's speaking. He says, I'm a prophet of God, but not from Israel. Do you know who I am? I'm a prophet of God, but I'm not from Israel. Number two, I was asked to curse Israel. Uh, yeah, I told you. you you're, you're cheating. <laughs> oh, oh, <laughs> oh okay. It doesn't say it up there. The last the Bill's ruined everything. No, uh, no. <laughs> the the last the last clue was this. My donkey spoke to me. Do you know who that is? Uh, okay. Yeah, Bill, you were right. Balaam. It, it, it's Balaam in the Bible. Uh, last, last week we finished uh, that book of Ruth. Hope you hopefully you enjoyed uh going through and learned some good things from the characters. At this, this summer. Our focus was to be upon some characters in the scriptures. Ruth is one who who we don't talk a lot about, so that book of Ruth uh, led us into the characters of Naomi, Ruth, Boaz, and Obed. And we talked about how God worked through that story. Uh, We wanted to continue. I did not let you know who who we were going into, uh, but his name is Balaam. Uh, Are you familiar with Balaam? Balaam is actually well before uh, Ruth. Happened. Matter of fact, before Joshua and Judges, uh, you find Balaam within the book of Numbers. Chapter 22 is the first time Balaam appears. Let me let me tell you what's going on with Israel right now in the book of Numbers uh, up to chapter 21. What's taking place is they are they are beyond that period of time that because of their disobedience, Israel spent 40 more years. In the desert. Forty more years in the desert. It, it's, it's getting past that time. They are now, as a nation, moving forward to, to enter into the promised land. Now the route that they take is, is actually Moses asked Edom, Hey, can we walk through Edom? You know, we're gonna stay on the King's Highway, we're not gonna use your water, we're not gonna use anything. And and Edom said, No, stay out. Said so skirt around Edom. They went around Moab to get to the, the, the territory of the Amorites. And there at, uh, in the territory of Amorites, they did the same thing. Hey, uh, we need to make our way through your territory. Uh, we're going to stay on the highway. We're not going to use your water. We're not going to uh, take from your vineyards. Uh, this great number of people. And the Amorites said, not only did they say no, the, uh, Sihon, king of the Amorites, got his army together, and they went and they attacked Israel. And guess what? Israel just wiped them out. And, and so they moved into the territory of the Amorites, and, and there uh, they began to, to move, the Amorites began to scatter, and uh, they went further north. They met up with Og uh, of Bashan. He's also an Amorite. He gathered his army together, wiped them out. Israel wiped them out as well. And so here they are at the beginning of of Numbers chapter 22. We find Israel is on the east side of the Jordan River. Just uh, on the opposite side of the Jordan River is Jericho. So if you know, if we we go further, we know that they finally cross the Jordan River. And the first destination they go to is to, to take uh, that city of Jericho. So that's that's where we are. They're all in that one territory, and they are numerous. And so our passage today, I'm going to begin with, is just here at the beginning when when this guy named uh, Balak from Moab is, is looking at him, and he's concerned. So that's where we are. Uh, Numbers chapter 22, we're going to read verses 1 through 6. Uh, this is a story. So actually, The story I'm dealing with is going to be in chapter 22, 23, and even part of 24. So if you want to keep your Bibles open, kind of follow along. I'll kind of indicate uh, verses along the way if you want to look and and follow along that way. But let's begin with these first six verses. That begins the story. Verse 1 says, Then the Israelites traveled to the plains of Moab and camped along the Jordan across from Jericho. There they are in that place. Now Balak, son of Zippor, saw all that Israel had done to the Amorites, Moab and Sihon, and their and armies, they're gone. And Moab was terrified because there were so many people. Indeed, Moab was filled with dread because of the Israelites. The Moabites said to the elders of Midian, the, the horde is going to lick up everything around us as Anak licks up the grass of the field. So Balak son of Zippor, who was king of Moab at that time, sent messengers to summon Balaam, son of Beor, who was at Pethor, near the Euphrates River, in his native land. Uh, in his native land. Balak said, a people has come out of Egypt. They cover the face of the land and have settled next to me. Now come and put a curse on these people because they are too powerful for me. Perhaps then I will be able to defeat them and drive them out of the land. For I know that whoever you bless is blessed and whoever you curse is cursed. Balak is is aware, you know, of of, you know, the tremendous power of the Israelites. All all already witnessing, so he calls on he, he, he seeks for help in this passage today uh, and and he looks for someone to help them oppose these people of God. Now, there's a lot of opposition today. Are you familiar with opposition to to God? You know we we look around we could we could definitely say, you know there are those who are atheists that that actually think that you are you all are foolish for spending your Sunday mornings here worshiping nothing or no one because they don't believe in the existence of God. There are those who are uh, quite hateful towards towards you. When I think about real opposition, I think about what Paul said, and uh, it, it was specifically to the Ephesians in 6 verse 12. Uh, he said, you know, there are those, the, the rulers, uh, the authorities uh, against this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms it's that passage that talks about suiting up the people of God because there's a world around us that's against us those that absolutely oppose oppose God Some of you need to hit your button <laughs> anyway so there are those who oppose I, I don't know do you feel opposed by anyone maybe at work maybe in your neighborhood do you feel opposition? Maybe someone who just despises the fact that you, uh, you, you are a person who believes in, in God. Maybe you've run into someone like that. Well, the, 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 the message I, I believe, as I read through this story several times, is, is it, it really is futile to oppose God. Or, or as it says in your outline, it, it really is foolish to, to stand in opposition to God. And, and, and so this is Balaam's story as well as Balak's story. Uh, what we can learn from, uh, what I want to look at today is what exactly we can learn from those who oppose God, who stand to oppose God. And that was Balak. Um, first of all, God has no rival. That's really simple. God has no rival. Uh, Balak is threatened by, you know, this, this nation of Israel. Uh, they've watched uh, this these these Amorites go down. They watch these Amorites go down uh, through through the Israelites. They they watch Sihon and Og both their, and all their armies uh, tumble. And and the thing is, if we go back earlier in Numbers, we find out is is the Amorites that that actually reduced the territory of the Moabites. They they pushed them they pushed them back. A lot of people are checking on their car right now. Listen, hey, don't worry about it. The battery will wear down. We'll take care of it later. Okay, we'll take care of it later. But anyway, so so it was actually the Amorites who who pushed uh, Moab back. So absolutely, Balak is, is is worried about this nation who wiped out all the Amorites. And and again, he said that they were numerous. There was there was such a great number. Um, now uh, instead of attacking. You know, here, here's one thing Balak did that was really smart. Instead of mustering his army like the Amorites did and, well, let's attack him and be wiped out as well, he said, he said I need some help. Matter of fact, he looked for supernatural help. And so he turned to a guy he knew of from, from uh, uh, far, farther east over by the Euphrates River. His name was Balaam. Uh, Balaam, Balaam is, a, is a non-Israelite prophet of God who has a reputation for success. We heard that in verse 6, right? Who you bless is going to be blessed. Who you curse is going to be cursed. So, so Balaam has uh, some success. And, and um, not, not only is he known as... The reason we call him a prophet, or he's known as a prophet of God, is because he speaks to God. And, and he receives a message from God. But it, there's also indication, as you read through there, that he also uses or thought of by peoples around him as using divination. Which is you know, kind of the, uh, what do you call, spiritualist. And, and things looking to speak to the dead maybe. Or looking for some spiritual force to speak to him. So he, he dabbled in other things as well. Uh, or at least there's an indication. So Balaam is in exactly what you call it. This great, wonderful prophet of God. Uh, some others that might come in mind, and, and even similar to the story, is is uh, uh, the story of Jonah. Remember Jonah? Hey, you go, and and he went, but he went the other direction. Tried to run from God. Not all prophets are seem oh grand and glorious. There's there's some that that are failing. Anyway, I, I found it interesting that he was not an Israelite. He's not of God, and yet uh, was called considered a prophet of God. You know, really, it's a great idea, uh, Balak had. You know, here is, here's a great nation that we're, they're just going to wipe us out. So I'm going to seek help. Not, not like most men, right? Uh, not like Og and Sion, uh, Sion who, who lost their lives. But uh, here, hey, I'm, I'm going to go ask for help. And so, uh, and he went to the right place, too. Balaam, he, he actually went to a, a guy who's going to speak to God. Where else could you go? I want you to think for a moment. That was a great, great move on on Balak's part. But where was the problem? The problem in the story is this. He's going to ask a prophet of God to come along and curse the people of God. Do Do we see any conflict with that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Matter of fact, Balaam ran into the problem. Balaam was dependent on listening to God. So, so... After a couple-week journey, uh, finally Balak's uh, message got to Balaam. The invitation is that, hey, I've got a people. Uh, they're coming in the land. I need you to come along and curse them for me. And so Balaam says, okay, stay the night. I'm going to go consult God. And in and, and verse, verse, uh, uh, verse 8, he says, spend the night here, Balaam said to them, and I will report back to you with the answer the Lord gives me. So the Moabite officials stayed with him that night. In verse 12, But God said to Balaam, Do not go with him. You must not put a curse on those people because they are blessed. They are blessed. Here, here, here's the truth. You know, God, God is absolutely sovereign. Meaning, there, and, and there is no other who could oppose him. And so... Uh, you know, if, if I were to give uh, advice to Balak, I'd say, man, whatever you could do to be kind to this nation, Israel, be kind, leave them alone. You know, if you could assist them, if they need help, I would let them walk through your territory, I'd let them do whatever, because they're the people of God. But Balak said, no, let's get rid of them. You know, let's let's bring Balaam. Uh, and that's exactly the second point is it, this morning is this, you know, what you know What we learn from people who oppose God, that they need to know this, that what God blesses, no one could curse. What God has laid a blessing upon, no one could curse. Uh, God is faithful to his promises. If anything, this nation of Israel should know that God is faithful. Uh, long ago, this nation had received a promise through, through their uh, forefathers, or, or through, through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? You are going to be a great nation. Well, now, as this nation enters into this territory, the Amorites, what's happening? Oh, man, they're going to use up our resources. They're going to drink up all the water. They're going to eat all the produce. They're, going to, they're just going to turn the land. It's going to be empty, and we're going to have nothing. That was kind of his concern because of how massive this, and they're still growing. They're not done yet. They're, they're absolutely still growing. So they're becoming that great nation, and they are moving towards what? The promised land. The reason it's called the promised land is because God promised this territory. Even to Abraham, said, man, as far as you can see, this, this land is, is going to be for your people. And so, so that's where they're headed, crossing the Jordan. There's the promised land. And they're going to receive that as well. God follows through with his promises. So one other promise that, that we want to remember, because we're involved in that, is, is that this This nation is going to become an everlasting kingdom. You know, when David comes, again, we we were reminded about David over and over again about that eternal throne, right? Not that David was going to be seated upon that throne eternally, but along would come Jesus. And that, that kingdom was going to be established forever. Jesus came and ushered in the kingdom that we know of today. Not completed, but it's growing and it's working in this world today. Now, I, I want to focus on Balaam here a little bit more because I think there's a real message here in Balaam. Balaam had, had the desire, I, I think within the passage as you're reading the story, Balaam kind of wanted to go with him. Uh, number one, he had this reputation, might have felt a little fame. Uh, the first group came and, and Balaam said, nope, not going to go with you. He refused to go. So the group went back. It's like a two-week journey. So in about a month's time, Balak sends them out. They return, and, and they said, no, nope, Balak doesn't want to come. So he sends another group. He, he says in verse 15, he said, that, that I'm going to send uh, a greater number, and, and they're going to be more distinguished than what they sent before. I'm going to show them I'm serious. And along with that, he said, man, I, I'm going to offer him more. I'm going to up the price tag on, on, on. So this is, this is important to me. So Balaam received the second group. Two weeks later, he receives the second group and they come and, and they're presenting, you know, again, another appeal. And, and Balaam actually says in verse 18, he says, but Balaam answered them, even if Balak gave me all the silver and gold in his palace, I could not do anything great or small to go beyond the command of the Lord my God. Good answer. Good answer. He should have just said no. God said no. And Have you ever been a parent and said, I said no, and no means no. no. Right. And it, it, that's, it, it, it's like Balaam should have listened to that, right? God said no. That's it. The end of the story. Send them away. Instead, the next verse is now spend the night here so that I can find out what else the Lord will tell me. Why? We're, we're wondering well, see, maybe he's saying, hey, they walked all this way. Was he just real compassionate for this group that had to travel through the desert all their way? I, I should make some kind of effort here? Or, or what, was, what was the motivation of Balaam? Again, I think I think Balaam's motive was, hey, he kind of wanted to go. He kind of wanted to go. Hey, he had this reputation of of blessing or, or blessing or, or whoever he blesses would be blessed, and whoever is cursed would be cursed. He had that reputation. He even reached so far away, and 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 he's going to make bank. You know, <laughs> he's he's going to make some cash. You know, uh, and, and matter of fact, I, I even kind of wonder if when he said, hey, if you give me all the silver and gold in your throne room, uh, yeah, you know, I couldn't do it. Maybe I kind of wonder if that's a section, suggestion. Why, why do I even come to that uh, conclusion? If you go into the New Testament, here's, here's what's unique about Balaam. Balaam's talked about in several places in the New Testament. We're going to enter into those. Today, I just want you to look at Second Peter chapter 2, verse 15. Peter was addressing some believers, and, and kind of their attitude and direction they were going in was not good. And, and 2 Peter 2:15 he says, They have left the straight, uh, the straight way and wandered off to follow the way of Balaam, son of Be- Bezer, who loved the wages of wickedness. He, he, was, he was one thing we could say he was he was motivated motivated by his fame but he was also motivated by wealth he's going he's to get paid so and that kind of explains why God is angry in the next story see what takes place is the next morning he gets uh, God relents and he says okay you go but you're, gonna, you're you are going to speak on my behalf you're going you're to say what I say okay in the story next part of the story And so he gets on his donkey in the morning and he begins to go with his group headed for Balak. And and as he goes, uh, as he's riding on his donkey, an angel of the Lord appears before him and he has his sword drawn. Balaam doesn't see him, but his donkey does. And, And his donkey just turns away from the the uh, first time he turns away from the angel and starts heading into the field and Balaam hops off and beats his donkey gets him back on the road and they start start out again well the angel appears again this time in a vineyard and 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 again the donkey sees him Balaam does not and, and the donkey once again turns to the side, but there's walls on both sides because of the vineyard. And, and the donkey crushes Balaam's foot. Could you imagine how irritated Balaam is? And he gets off the donkey and he beats the donkey again. And, and gets him back on the road. And, and so they're going again. Now they're in a valley and it's a very narrow valley. And, and at that angel, the Lord appears again with a sword drawn, ready to take them out. And the donkey this time has nowhere to turn. And he just drops underneath Balaam. He just drops. And again, Balaam, furious, just gets up and beats his donkey. And then God enables the donkey to speak. Why are you beating me? (laughs) And then tries to give his, I've always been a good donkey. Is it not in your mind? You know, something's wrong here. He didn't go into those terms. That's just my own thinking. But anyway, (laughs) hey, he, he, he is so frustrated. As a matter of fact, Balaam responds. Balaam responds. You are an, you are embarrassing me. You're making me look foolish. You know, again, there there goes that reputation. I'm I'm this great, powerful you know prophet of God, and here I'm, I can't even lead a donkey. You know, and and so uh, then God opens Balaam's eyes to see the angel standing before him. The terrifying sight of this great angel with his sword drawn. He said, Man, I, I don't know why you're beating your donkey these three times. Your donkey has perceived the, the terror and, and you have not. I stand opposed to you because you're, you're, the way you're going is reckless. The road you're taking is reckless. That's pretty powerful. That's pretty powerful. So, so what, what, what's wrong with Balaam? Again, if it was greed was his motivation. He said, man, God, I know your direction. I know the way you want to go. I know I should just say no and that be it. Instead, his heart was leading him to, you know, to, to getting paid or to greed or to that fame, whatever was appealing to him. And, and he, he was on that direction. And, and God gave him this wonderful object lesson that he's dumber than his donkey. He's, he's, you know, the donkey was saving his life these past, humbling to a prophet of God, isn't it? It's just humbling that these three times it was the donkey that saved his life. And, and Balaam, Balaam, it says in the scripture that Balaam repented or he asked forgiveness for his sinfulness. And, and uh, uh, asked, should I turn around, should I go back? And God said, no, you go ahead, but you will speak what I tell you to speak. He reminded him. He went on to, uh, well, before that, I, I think there's a challenge for us in there. Man, it, it, how easy it, is it for us to, to receive the blessings of God and forget the importance of following after him? See, our message is not just salvation, okay, we're saved, and then just live however we want to. We're called to a purpose, we're we're called to living a life that is going to seek to be honoring of Him. What direction are you headed? What what path are you taking? Just this week, think back. Has has every day been that purposeful and and looking to be honoring of God? Or are those there are those things. Perhaps you're praying, you're asking, Oh God, if it be Your will, and and He's said no for a long time, and yet you continue to persistently ask in a direction you know that's not his purpose or his will. Or, or, or maybe we just continue to go in a direction. Too bad we don't have a donkey that talks to us sometimes, you know. We do have a spirit that speaks to our hearts. It's better than a donkey. We have a spirit that speaks to our hearts that brings us into conviction when we're living contrary to the God that we serve, the you know, the Savior who, who, who gave us life. And when we're seeking after Him, He speaks our hearts and He tells us the direction that we ought to be going in. Or when we're not going in that direction, He corrects us. He seeks to correct us. Are we listening? Are we paying attention? I would believe that there's a lot of us who need to do some repenting for the direction we're choosing. Oh. And so my encouragement this morning, hey, from from if we learn from anything from Balaam, hey, repent when our direction is incorrect and get on that right path, go in that right direction that God has for us. Don't look, uh, don't look to to go against God's direction whatsoever. Finally, uh, God's people, you know, that de- definite lesson that that ba- Balak learns. Is, is God's people are going to go the direction God desires. Whatever God has intended for his people, don't get in their way because God's people are going to enter the promised land. Oh, God was faithful in his purposes, wasn't he? We mentioned that before. Every, everything that God promised is, continues to be fulfilled. Now, Balak, when he arrived, or, or Balaam, when he arrived there with Balak, uh, Balak took him up, first of all, to, to Bamath Baal. This is in chapter 23, verses 7 through 10. And, and Baal, I mean, there were sacrifices that were made up on, on the mountain, and, and uh, uh, Balak said, hey, speak your curses, and they weren't curses at all. Matter of fact, it was, it was kind of shallow even to, to read through here, and it wasn't real positive blessings, but there was not a curse spoken against, uh, against Israel. Uh, there was a couple positive things in there. Uh, matter of fact, towards the end, um, in, in verse 10, he, he says, who can count the dust of Jacob or number even a fourth of Israel? And then here's the positive point he makes in the first one. He, Let me die the, die the death of the righteous and may my final end be like theirs. It, it's kind of an envious statement. It's kind of a positive statement. Well, and, and so, of course, Balak is, is just frustrated. I, I sent you. I've waited you know, at least a couple of months to come and curse this people. And, and you bless him. Okay, here's the problem. We need to go to another location. He wasn't real familiar with God, obviously. So, so, so I can't do it here. So sure, on, on, the, on top of the Mount Pisgah, I'll take you up there. And you could see the remnant of Israel. Now you can lay out your curse because... God might not be paying attention here. I don't know what his thinking is, or God might not be present here. So he says, lay out your curse here, offered all the sacrifices again, and he begins to speak, and he kind of goes through a review of the history and what God has done for them and and does not curse them, but ends up giving them uh, a praise again or a blessing, kind of praise, oh, God, bless these people, you know, continue to strengthen them, continue to, that's not his prayer, but that's kind of the idea he continues to bless. And, and then for a third time, oh, man, Balak's getting really frustrated. So he, he takes him over to Mount Peor. Maybe this time God won't be paying attention, or, or I, I don't know what's in his thinking. Let's try a different location. Maybe God's going to get tired of this, and you could curse him. And the third time, he, lay, he lays out blessings again. And, and basically, uh, Balak comes along and says, stop talking. Or shut up or something like it. It, it it's along those lines is man all you speak all you speak is every time you speak it's it's blessings towards this people need, need you to be quiet but he goes ahead and he speaks one more 20 chapter 24 I want you to see this one 15 through 19 this this was just for uh, matter matter of fact let me let me step back I think we got a little time I want to step back and see where he he actually starts in verse 20 24 and in, in verse fifteen, it, this is message I believe is just for Balak to hear, the pros- prophecy of Balaam, son of Beor. This is verse fifteen. The prophecy of one whose eye sees clearly, the prophecy of one who hears the words of God, who has knowledge from the Most High, who sees a vision from the Almighty who falls prostrate and whose eyes are open. Uh, It's in the third time that actually he says he drops all the things of divination and everything else. The only thing he's speaking by the time he gets to the end is, this is from God. And so this even becomes more powerful. In verse 17 he says, I see him, but uh, but not now. I behold him, but not not near. A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel. He will crush the foreheads of Moab, the skulls of all the people of Sheth. Uh, Edom will be conquered. Seir, his enemies, will be conquered. But Israel will grow strong. A ruler will come out of Jacob and destroy the survivors of the city. That's actually a curse everywhere else. That's a blessing upon Israel. Man, there's, there's going to be something great that comes out of Israel. We do know that David's coming. And, and he's a powerful, and he is, he is a warring king. And he wipes out uh, nations around him. Is it speaking of David? I think partially, yeah. Speaking of David, David is coming. But it was, it was to David that that great promise was made. Out of you, you know, that throne is going to become eternal. That star of Judah... Or that, yeah, that star of Jacob, uh, that that is Jesus. That is Jesus who's coming, uh, because he completes that prophecy. He wipes out. He he takes out those nations who oppose him. God is going to fulfill his purpose. I, I don't know, dude. dude. Let me just ask you, do you value the fact that God has promises? If if you belong to him through Jesus Christ, do you value the fact that he has promises that are set for you and I? And and they are set for his kingdom. I want you to understand this. Someone could really run uh, crooked on this passage and say, hey, God is going to wipe out all your enemies in this world. No, you're going to have enemies. (laughs) And they might do terrible things to you and I. Because where's his promises set? It's, a, it's set upon his kingdom. That's his promises right now. That's why you pray. His kingdom come, his will be done. That's your focus. Now, it's not a... There is no blessed nation like Israel was. E, even our, our nation here. Man, we are susceptible to the enemy. But, but what promise has been laid is for an eternal kingdom. Hey, if you're in Jesus... You are part of an everlasting eternal kingdom. You know, you know what's so good about that is because it is all established through the promises of God. Oh, that was weak. That was weak, but it's true. It's true. Yeah, We talk about the joy that we have. The joy is, you know, in Jesus definitely, I, I have now identified with a God who has an eternal kingdom meant for all those who believe. All those who are seeking to live his purpose, live his purpose and go his direction. And and so, are we going to face troubles in this world? He told his disciples, oh, absolutely, you're going to face all kinds of troubles. You bet, just like Jesus did. But guess what? You, You are already a citizen of his kingdom. You belong to him. You're his people. Oh, Israel had no idea what was going up on the mountain. I mean, this guy's trying to curse, this guy's trying to curse, and this guy's trying. all From all directions, they're trying to curse, but man, it's just pouring down blessings. Oh, man, it's all over this. Isn't it? It's in his scriptures, his promises, his direction. The story overall is about the kingdom that he's been focused upon, that he sent the Savior for. I'm looking forward to the final day. The final day happens, either you die, sad, no. You either die or Jesus returns. How many are ready for it? Ready and prepared. Really? How many of you are ready and prepared for it? Ready, maybe maybe you're thinking, okay, maybe I don't want to die today. Uh, Not that. But ready for Jesus' return. (sighs) There's a reason why we worship on Sunday. Hopefully, the reason why we worship on Sunday is so you energize and get encouraged or strengthened or even even, kind of challenged or or even a little rebuking going on in order for me to stay that course. You know, not to get on that wrong path. To stay on course, to to follow after His desire, His will. Listen, just remind you what, what those who are opposed to God need to know. That, that God has no rival. There is nowhere to turn. Hey, I, I'm going to go against God. Well, good luck with that. There is nowhere else you could turn. Uh, because what God blesses cannot be cursed. Man, you are a blessed people if you're in God. Through Jesus Christ, you are a blessed people. There's, there's reason for us to worship. There's reasons for us to celebrate Him. And the plan that He's laying out. The plan that we could be a part of and join in. There's a reason for us to live according to his word and not live in recklessness. To love, honor, and cherish a God who has loved us and has sent us such a Savior as as Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. It's getting louder. I like it. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we praise you and thank you for your word. It is precious to us, Lord. Every story, Lord, we we could glean. We could watch a guy like Balaam, Lord, who... uh, Father, not, not perfect in every means, but Lord, did hear Your voice and was obedient in, in, in many ways of speaking. Lord, uh, we pray that, that some of the things we're challenged with here to, to uh, walk away knowing uh, how great You are, how awesome a God that You are, that there is none that will oppose You. Uh, but Father, we know that in this world... Uh, we, we could be encouraged with the promises that you've laid out for us, that you've spoken and that we could be uh, encouraged in and live even in the midst of, of hurts and pains, whether an enemy comes against us, Lord, that, that we know that those promises are eternal, those promises made by few and they cannot be changed. Lord, so we praise you for that this morning. We praise you for the encouragement of your word. Strengthen us as your people. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.